Uh, I must say, that's, that's a hard act to follow. Uh, what a blessing. Uh, well, um, <clears throat> those of you who were here last week uh, may remember uh, my previous message was on uh, the blessing of independence. And uh, somewhat continuing in that same theme tonight, I wanted to uh, continue talking about this idea we have of, uh, of independence. But uh, uh, whereas last week we were talking about the, the blessing of independence, we're going to be looking at uh, sort of a different angle of it uh, tonight. And so the title of this message is The, the Wrong Kind of Independence. Uh, if you wouldn't mind standing with me, um, I'd like us to uh, just read God's Word, uh, Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity again to just preach your word to your people. Thank you for this uh, wonderful church where we can come here and just have fellowship with one another and hear some beautiful music that's just lifting you up. Um, we just uh, thank you so much for all your many blessings that you, uh, that you give us through this church, and uh, we just want to make sure that you're glorified tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, the wrong kind of independence. So, some of you may be wondering kind of what exactly that means. Um, well, we all live in the world. We all go to work in the world, most of us, those of us who uh, don't necessarily work here, but we all are generally uh, speaking, are all part of the world. Uh, we, um, we, uh, we live amongst and, and work with people that are, that are worldly and don't necessarily know the Lord. Um, and I, so I think many of us are, are all too familiar that uh, the world that we live in has in many ways uh, declared its independence from God. Um, there are many reasons why. Um, we know that the Bible says the world has always been opposed to God. Um, but, you know, as Americans, we're really fortunate to live in a country that was, that was founded on Christian principles. Um, and so even though the world may seem, you know, really wicked and, and just totally evil sometimes, um, there are places in the world where it's, where it's a lot worse. And so uh, we are actually pretty blessed to live in a country that uh, was kind of built on the, the foundations uh, that, that it has been. Um, but more explicitly, the Bible says that the world actually hates Christ and those who are his. Uh, in John fifteen eighteen, uh, Jesus said, If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Uh, so it kind of spells it out right there. And he said that 2,000 years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, in the world of today, to a lot of people, the very idea of God is obsolete in many ways. Um, you know, what do we need God for? We have all these modern conveniences. Um, uh, you know, we've, we live in this sort of kind of push-button society, you might call it, uh, where we have this uh, kind of instant gratification, where if you need, uh, you want to order a pizza, you can have it at your house in, you know, 20 minutes, or uh, you throw some food in the microwave and press a few buttons and you've got dinner. Um, it, it, you know, it hasn't always been like this, and so we have, we have this sort of mentality that we can get things uh, by just pressing buttons or, or uh, you know, ordering something online or, or whatever. Um, and so a lot of these modern conveniences really make life much more bearable than it was even 100 years ago. 100 years ago, uh, or even 50 years ago, uh, the idea of work was a lot different than, uh, than what we regard work as today. You know, you don't see too many people in this day and age spending, you know, 14, 15 hours a day toiling away in the fields. Um, Nowadays, a lot of us, you know, we go to work from 9 to 5, sit at a desk, um, 
ruin our vision staring into a computer screen and you know go home. And we complain about that as being work. So, uh, so a lot of these modern conveniences have really kind of lightened the load, uh, so to speak, in, in, in a lot of ways. We also have so many distractions um, in this modern age of ours. You know, we have the television and movies and you know, uh, internet, all, all sorts of things. Uh, we have all these things that have kind of diffused our uh, attention. And uh, so a lot of people in the world don't really feel a, a real need for God because, hey, we've got all of our material needs met by all these things that are just sort of at arm's length, uh, no matter where you are um, at any time. All these things are accessible. Uh, so with all this, who needs God? You know, that's what a lot of people seem to think. Um, another thing is that uh, in the world today, we run into this problem of what I like to call intellectualism. Uh, many people today are just simply too smart for God. Um, with modern science, you know, hey, we can attribute every last aspect of creation down to a natural process. Um, and so there are a lot of those out there that have actually placed their faith and hope in science. Uh, they're enlightened by, uh, you know, modern scientific theory and, and all that. Um, and so in a lot of ways, that really is their religion of choice, even though they may not regard it as such. But a lot of these people are just kind of, you know, as I said, too smart to buy into this antiquated concept of God. You know, that's for the weak-minded. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, people that say that God is for the weak-minded are actually right. Uh, God is for the weak-minded, but God is also for the strong-minded and everyone in between. Uh, he takes care of all of his children and loves all of us regardless of, all, of our intellectual capacity. And uh, I, I praise him for that. You know, it, God doesn't uh, care about, you know, someone's uh, mental abilities. You know, he, he loves people uh, unconditionally. And uh, that's more than you can say for the world. So we have a lot of these people in the world that are, you know, these kind of intellectualists, as I was uh, referring to a moment ago, that are kind of filling their heads with information and worldly knowledge, thinking that uh, if they fill their heads up enough with, with enough worldly knowledge and information, it'll also somehow fill the hole that's in their heart. Uh, and we know that that won't ever happen. Uh, I was talking last week about that, that void that only, that only the Lord can fill. But the thing is that worldly knowledge is highly valued in our society today. But uh, the Bible says, you know, the Bible kind of gives us a, a, the proper way to, to look at that and how to place this idea of worldly knowledge in context. And we read in 1 Corinthians 3.19, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And so that spells it out pretty clearly right there. Um, but as I said, worldly knowledge um, is highly valued in our society. Um, you know, really smart people are able to make a lot of money a lot of times. And, uh, you know, people, people look up to that. And so I guess you could say the world's values um, are largely incompatible with Christian values. Many of you know this, uh, working in the world. and um, The world values things like uh, money and power. Um, and uh, we know from, the, from what the Word says that, that money is dangerous. It's the root of all evil, actually. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 11 says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. So if you're somebody that maybe 
has done very well financially, if you're maybe a CEO of some major corporation or something, I'm just envisioning this person, you know, if all your financial needs are met, you know, for the rest of your life, I mean, what do you really need God for? Uh, maybe bigger dividends, uh, wisdom to make better stock choices, uh, give you more power in the boardroom. Uh, you know, too often those with a lot of material wealth just simply have no time for God. I mean, after all, he's not a major shareholder. So, you know, a lot of money may, might be able to meet all of your worldly needs, but it can also leave you a spiritual beggar if you're someone that's basically placed all their faith and time and effort into just generating as much money as possible. And a lot of times people in these situations are all too familiar with the fact that blessings from God can't be bought. I mean, the, the, the best things in life just simply cannot be purchased with money. Things like a, a fulfilling marriage, a healthy family, spiritual wisdom, uh, freedom from sin. Uh, these are true riches. These are the, these are the things that are, that are truly valuable in life. Um, and money can't buy them because they come from the Lord. Uh, there's that old saying that the best things in life are free. And that's true, but more accurately, uh, they're blessings from God. And so uh, we all kind of need to remember that. And so back to this point of, of the world being independent from God. Uh, there are many motivations that the world has for this spirit of, of independence, uh, sort of the wrong kind of independence. Um, people in the world tend to cling to, as I briefly mentioned before, that, that this idea of God is only for people who need a crutch. Um, God is for people who can't really cope with life, so they need to believe in some kind of you know, mystical, benevolent father figure to get by. And so a lot of these people have this attitude like, you know, not me, I'm a self-made man. Uh, I don't need anybody's help. And I'm certainly not in a position to uh, believe that I need some God to help me get through life. I'm in control of my own destiny. So, you know, we, we do see that from time to time. Um, and the thing is, in America, because of how we've developed as a nation, we do tend to value certain personality traits that are somewhat in line with that, uh, with that you know, mindset. Uh, we do value things like self-reliance, a sense of individuality, uh, a strong sense of independence. And in a lot of ways, these are actually good qualities for a person to have um, because it is in line with many of the ideals that America was founded upon. And people with these attributes are, are generally speaking, pretty good citizens. They're hardworking. Uh, they're entrepreneurial. They create jobs and stimulate the economy. They're law-abiding people. Um, they're not relying upon assistance from the government uh, or really anybody. They're, they're self-reliant, um, self-made men, you might say. Uh, some of the most important men in American history actually kind of fit this description. And some of these guys uh, were visionaries uh, that really were kind of the movers and shakers in terms of uh, making America what it is today. I think of, of people like uh, Andrew Carnegie and J.P. Morgan, um, the John Rockefeller and Henry Ford, people like that. Um, you know, a lot of these guys were self-made men. Um, not all of them were necessarily totally law-abiding model citizens, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's clear that they were hardworking individuals that accomplished some great things. And they proved that in America, dedication, um, vision, ingenuity, and hard work can be synonymous uh, with prosperity. And so they inspired a lot of people, uh, inspired countless others to really pursue this American dream of prosperity through self-reliance. And so that's kind of where I'm, that's, that's sort of where we kind of went wrong, I, I think, um, where we start, started valuing reliance upon self over reliance upon the Lord. Uh, 
Now, these guys may have done a lot of great things, and they, they definitely earned their places in history, but this is not exactly the type of thing that the Founding Fathers had in mind for the future of our country. In fact, they understood that our existence as a nation was made possible by God's providence and grace. Uh, in fact, uh, there's an interesting quote. Um, at the Constitutional Convention of 1787, uh, Benjamin Franklin said the following, God governs in the affairs of man, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. So that was kind of a, an interesting statement, uh, especially to those who, who would claim that uh, the Founding Fathers uh, you know, had no Christian heritage or anything like that. And of course, if you, look, if you really look uh, at the, the, the documents, you'll find that, of course, America has a, a pretty strong uh, Christian foundation. Um, but you know, while this spirit of uh, you know, self-reliance and determined individualism definitely helped shape America, um, and it really has yielded some of mankind's greatest achievements, um, we as a nation have officially become less and less reliant upon the Lord. Um, and the Lord made America possible in the first place. And so we really have kind of been on the wrong track in some ways uh, for some time now. Uh, and really, you know, whether we realize it or not, both believers and non-believers rely on the Lord for virtually everything. As Americans, as citizens of, of the world, um, you know, we really owe God, you know, our thanks and, and, and the glory that he deserves. But the thing is, uh, you know, the world is, is still kind of in this spirit of independence. Um, we're, in America, we're now a nation of, of self-made men and women in many ways, uh, too prideful oftentimes to even acknowledge the existence of the creator who made us and who made all this possible. Um, I found a, a, a scripture that seemed fairly relevant to this. Um, in uh, Jeremiah 2, 11 through 13, we read, "'Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit.'" Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. And a lot of this, in terms of the the world's independence from God, uh, the root of it, it just comes down to pride, really. And uh, as we know, pride, in the Bible... um, is the first sin. Um, we read about uh, Satan's fall in a couple of places, but in Isaiah 14, uh, we read, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And so there we, we read about Satan's fall. And, you know, his power, Satan's power is strong in the world. The Bible speaks of Satan as being the deceiver of nations and uh, the god of this world. And it seems pretty obvious that Satan has certainly been the deceiver of our nation in, in a lot of ways. Uh, in Genesis 3, uh, verses 2 through 5, uh, as we recall, we read, uh, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, 
Then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. So what he told Adam and Eve so many years ago, he's still telling people today. And we as a nation, as, as a, many ways, a godless society, are, are listening. Um, you know, we can be like God. Uh, sin isn't really going to kill us or even hurt us. In fact, it's fun. Uh, we don't need God. We can be independent. And uh, we as a nation have uh, spent too much time listening to those lies. Uh, and it's time that we get, on, get back on track for the Lord. But, so I've talked about how the world has sort of declared its independence from God, but what about us? What about Christians? Uh, is it possible for us to sort of, uh, in, in some ways, fall into some of these things where we've kind of declared some independence from God in certain ways? Well, we most, we most certainly can. Uh, as you know, the, the Bible says that we are to be in the world, but not of it. Um, as I said before, we, we do live in the world, and sometimes we let too much of it into our homes and into our lives. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty easy to do. I mean, if you have a television or, you know, internet connection, all this stuff, I mean, the world is just kind of getting pumped into your house from, like, several different ways, and it, you really have to be pretty vigilant about, uh, about you know, managing that, uh, especially if you have children. Um, but uh, we've sort of become a little too close to being of the world instead of just being in it you know, a lot of times. Um, and I think that a lot of us have found, uh, myself included, you know, the more worldly we are, um, the, more, uh, the, the further away we are from the Lord at times, um, the more we run into these worldly problems, like I was describing earlier. Um, lost people are dependent upon themselves and the things of this world. But the thing is, once we're saved, um, we become more and more aware of our dependency upon the Lord. And we have the capacity to lean on him for our needs. However, as most of us know, we, we also have the capacity to, unfortunately, live as we did before we were saved. And in that situation, we end up really just leaning on ourselves. Um, and so in that way, you're not really being dependent in the way that the, that the Bible says that uh, we really should be as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're saved but still living in many ways like a lost person, you're really missing out on the incredible life-changing blessings that can come when you, when you really just give things up and rely totally on the Lord. Uh, you just can't experience those, t- those types of blessings unless you learn to lean on the Lord. Uh, and that's something that, that I think every growing Christian um, will experience at, at, at one point or another. So this whole process of becoming less dependent on, on yourself and more dependent upon God is, is really, in a lot of ways, in, in some ways, is the exact opposite of how things occur you know, as we're growing up as, as people. Um, when we're growing up and we start off as babies, obviously, um, and when we're babies, we are totally dependent upon our parents um, for everything. Um, when we get a little older, we're little kids, we're still very much dependent upon our parents. Uh, when we're teenagers, and those of you who have teenagers, teenagers, you probably are fairly familiar with this, uh, they start to become a little bit independent. There's, you know, you're sort of semi-independent when you're a teenager. Um, but by the time you're an adult, um, you're more or less uh, pretty much fully independent. Uh, and so we go, for, we go through this transition as we're growing up from being totally dependent to being fairly independent. And that's just kind of how life goes. Or that's how it should go anyway. But, uh, but the thing is, as believers, uh, we've been called out of the world to be saved uh, and live for Christ. And this involves this, you know, this process of sanctification. Um, so in some ways, it's, it's the opposite of what I just described. Uh, once we're saved, we, we trust the Lord, and as we grow in our relationship with him, we learn to lean on him more and more. 
Uh, we learn to rely on him. And uh, we actually are supposed to grow out of our independence from him that we once cherished when we were lost. We once really valued that independence because, hey, I'm my own person. I can do what I want. Uh, you know, once we are saved, uh, we become, you know, very aware that that's just not the case. Uh, you know, we really need to be kind of uh, growing in the Lord. And so, uh, despite what the world says, you know, depending on God is really kind of the smartest thing that you can do. Uh, sometimes people in the world look at Christians who have placed all their faith in the Lord uh, for major decisions or uh, maybe there's, a, there's some sort of a family tragedy or, or something like that. We've all seen situations where uh, a strong believer may place all their faith in the Lord and people in the world around them just cannot relate to that at all. And so uh, they, they see that as foolish. But really, it's, it's, you're, uh, you're wise if you know to place all your faith in God because he can get you through situations like that. Uh, God can help you through uh, you know, tough decisions and, and tragedies and things that, that people in the world just simply don't know how to deal with. So, but basically, independence from God as a believer uh, is really not where you want to be at all. Um, you really want to be close to Christ. Um, because he not only helps us through life, he actually is life. Uh, in John 14, verse 6, we read, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I mean, Jesus is life, uh, and so the closer we are to life, the better. Uh, I think, obviously, the, the converse of that, or the inverse of that, or whatever, you know, the further away from life you are, the worse off you're going to be, generally speaking. Um, but the thing is, it, just as the world can have problems with pride, as I spoke about a few minutes ago, we can actually, have, we can actually fall into the, the same types of snares ourselves. Um, because a lot of times... We have a desire to accomplish things in the power of our own flesh. And I think we've all probably struggled with that. Um, we usually have good intentions, uh, but our pride often ruins any good work that we try to do that doesn't give God the glory he deserves. You know, when you hear somebody say, I did it, you know, it was me. Uh, sometimes people, uh, you know, they, they claim the glory for themselves when it really should go to God. Because, and you know, what, what people are really saying when they, when they have that attitude is that, I didn't need any help. You know, if uh, somebody, maybe a believer had a marital problem or, or some sort of a tragedy or something like that, uh, and the Lord gets them through that, if they don't give God the glory, um, you know, really, that's, that's, just, that's just not how we're supposed to live. And so um, when God does something in your life, you know, he deserves the glory. Um, but uh, this problem with pride actually is even found in, in many church ministries, believe it or not. Um, sometimes uh, you hear people say, you know, look what I accomplished for the Lord, of course. You know, I knocked on doors in 12 neighborhoods yesterday. Um, well, that's nothing. You know, I led 637 people to the Lord last week. You know, um, the thing is, though, God does move people to do these things. And in fact, has done mighty things with the works of believers. But when he does so, he receives the glory. Uh, he deserves it. Only God deserves the glory for, for things like that. And, and God hates pride. Uh, that's pretty clear throughout the Bible. And pride keeps us from depending on God. Um, you know, whether we realize it or not, uh, we want to accomplish things ourselves and kind of get some glory. That's just sort of a, a fleshly desire. Um, and uh, a lot of times we're just unwilling to just kind of let go of things and, and let God take control. 
Um, that's something that, that we're all kind of learning to do more and more as we grow as Christians. And it can be e- extremely hard to do sometimes because you're your, you know, your fleshly brain sometimes just tells you, you know, you need to sort of manage the situation and take control. And a lot of times, these are things that you cannot control, and they're things that you need to let God handle for you. Um, and so you really kind of have to get over that pride, because that's really what it comes down to being. Uh, that's sort of the, the root of the problem. Uh, James 4, verse 6, tells us that God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So I think in situations like that, it, it's important that we humble ourselves and realize who's in control. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so because a lot of times we don't want to let go of these types of things, um, we get frustrated over problems that we encounter because they seem unsolvable. Uh, maybe there's, there's someone in your family who, who doesn't know the Lord that, that seems hopelessly lost, and you've been you know, just trying to witness to them and, and things like that. And forgetting that it's really God who, who needs to do the work there. Um, sometimes we just uh, we want to try to manage that situation ourselves, and, and maybe we've been doing that for years and haven't even realized it. Um, we get frustrated over these, over these things, and uh, sometimes we feel kind of silly when we realize that, oh yeah, I've been trying to do this all along. I need to give it up to the Lord. Um, but things like that, uh, you know, you have a, someone in your family that, that needs to know the Lord, or uh, maybe an illness or something uh, in, in the family, or someone who's close to you is having some problems. Um, these things are no problem for God. Um, but we also have to remember, when we do give them up to him, uh, if, if he chooses to solve these problems, he does so in his time and not ours. God isn't obligated to, uh, you know, do what we want him to, because uh, we're, not, uh, we're not God, basically. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, when we're, when we're dealing with things like this, we get impatient. We want to have that control. We have this just total desire for control sometimes. And I've, I've definitely experienced that myself. So uh, I'm preaching to myself here as well. Um, so it, th- those are just things that, that we need to learn to, to give up um, as we grow in the Lord. Sometimes, uh, it's also, um, sometimes it's also ignorance that actually keeps us from depending upon God. Um, if you're not, if, maybe if you're not... Uh, reading your Bible as, as much as you should, you may not know, you know, exactly who God is fully um, or, or what he's promised or even, I guess, what he's capable of. That's why it's important to just to read the word and really be in the word and know who this God is that we serve and who has saved you. Um, it's, uh, the more you study the word, the more you know uh, that you really need to rely upon him and not yourself. Um, so the, the, less, the less you study your Bible, um, the more you're going to end up relying upon yourself. Uh, Psalm 46, verse 10, says, Be still and know that I am God. It's one of my favorite verses. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. So if you're not depending on God, uh, who are you depending on? Yourself. So that can be a major problem. Uh, A lack of faith gets in the way of us properly depending upon the Lord, too. Um, As I said, when we're not in the Word, um, we can become lazy Christians. Um, we don't have the faith we need to depend on the Lord. Um, it's important, it's really important to remember that faith itself is a blessing that comes from Him. Uh, we, you can't conjure up faith yourself. You're not going to necessarily just, um, you know, magically create uh, a real faithful heart in yourself uh, by any work of your own. Faith is a blessing that comes from the Lord. Um, and like any other blessing, you really can't expect God to give you more faith if you're not walking right with Him. Uh, Luke 17, verse 6, we read, uh, And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, 
Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. And so our sin and disobedience, uh, they, kinda, they tend to knock us off track. I mean, nobody is ever fully 100% obedient to the Lord. Uh, there was only uh, one that was capable of doing that, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and all of us fall short. Um, and so when we, when we do experience sin and, and disobedience in our own lives, that we've, as we all know, it knocks us off track. Uh, through our own actions, we distance ourselves from, from the Lord and his blessings. Um, but, but there's a, a real connection there. I was mentioning ignorance a minute ago. Um, there, there's a real connection between ignorance and disobedience. Um, it's easier to be to, disobedient to the Word of God if you don't know the Word of God. Um, it's also harder to disobey the Lord if you know clearly His commands and what they are. If you know His Word, if you carry it in your heart, um, you'll find that it's harder to disobey Him because it's, it's on your mind and in your heart. Um, and so that's why, again, it's important to, to read the Word and just to, to live in there. Um, so um, if you know what God's will is and you're living in the Spirit and, and, and walking with Him, you're not going to have this problem of, of disobedience, which um, in turn will allow you to be blessed with faith. It's like a chain reaction. Um, you know, if, if, we're, if we're disobedient, uh, we end up with less faith. And so with less faith, we end up relying upon ourselves and not on God. And then there's that whole pride thing, too, which I won't get back into. But, uh, you know, uh, the thing is, uh, if you're in a situation like that, you end up with many of the other problems uh, mentioned before that people in the world have to experience. And uh, the thing is, if you're a, a child of, of Christ, um, if you're a child of God, you know, you don't need to, to, to be in that situation. You know, God has provided a way for us to, to be right with him and, and to walk righteously with him. Um, but uh, so when we do live in disobedience to God's commands, um, as I said, we ultimately end up relying upon ourselves and, and we're not dependent upon God. So indirectly, we're making the choice to live independently from him. And that is definitely the wrong kind of independence. It's also the best way to stunt your growth as a believer in Christ. Um, so it's, you know, you, you really want to try to avoid that. Uh, the thing is, too, is, is we're stubborn. We are stubborn people. Um, I'm stubborn. Many of you are probably stubborn, too. Um, we, we have this attitude of, like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but don't tell me what to do. Um, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor and all that, um, but come on, you know, my neighbor's a jerk. Um, a lot of times we have that attitude, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just stubborn. We've managed to convince ourselves that disobedience really isn't disobedience. Uh, we're compromised. And the thing is, we're not as willing to change as we'd like to think. Um, Second Chronicles addresses this. Second um, Chronicles 30, verse 8. Now be ye not stiff-necked, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord, and enter into his sanctuary, uh, which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. So I think from that we can take away that God does not like stiff-neckedness, if that's even a word. But uh, stubbornness, uh, that's a problem. You know, we need to be willing to be molded by the word. We need to, be, we need to yield to God at all times. Um, uh, so as I was saying a minute ago, uh, too many times we've, we convince ourselves that, that, you know, our actions really aren't being disobedient to the Lord. But if you really compare what you're doing to what the scripture says, you'll find that you're wrong. And we need to be able to yield and correct our, correct our ways because, uh, you know, God doesn't like stubbornness. So living in a state of disobedience like this, uh, it stunts our growth in the Lord. 
uh, it makes us more like the world and therefore focused more on worldly things and you get, get your mind kind of stuck in this, this mode of uh, just looking at the world through worldly, looking at your problems through worldly goggles, so to speak. Um, and that's, that's not how we are supposed to live. Uh, living in that way, it also, if, you're, if you are disobedient to the Lord, it also nullifies our testimony. Um, because if you're focusing on, on the wrong things, you're not going to be able to live for the Lord and, and really be a shining light to people as we're called to be. But the bottom line is it also keeps us dependent upon ourselves. So, because in this state, we really won't be able to properly depend on God and uh, be able to thank him for the things that he blesses us with, um, even despite the fact that we don't even deserve them anyway. So, in Matthew 6, um, verses 25 through 34, this kind of sums all this up uh, pretty nicely, um, where we read, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore... Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So really, God knows your needs better than you do. God knows that you need to depend on him. So walk with him. If you walk with the Lord, he will bless you with all the faith that you need uh, to trust him. And if you do, uh, you will find that the promise of Proverbs 3, uh, our, our scripture verse tonight, uh, you'll find that that promise is absolutely true. He really will guide your paths through life. And if you've been a believer for a while, you probably already know this for yourself. Um, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't need to be independent. You need to be dependent upon him. So don't lean upon your own understanding. Lean on the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you once again for just this opportunity to come here and uh, worship you and just learn a little bit about your word. Um, we pray that uh, you would just bless everyone here tonight and uh, you would also just watch over the pastor and help him uh, uh, get home safely, um, him and his family. We just pray that you would watch over them, uh, return him safely to us. Uh, once again, uh, thank you for this opportunity this evening, Lord. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.